Welcome to another episode of Media Monsters Podcast. I'm Dan Galvez. I'm Jeremy Streifels, and we're here to bring you another amazing conversation. Are you ready? Man, I know I am. We've been so busy over the last few weeks going to events, going to parties, and you know what, Jeremy, I think we're about ready to become party planners officially. Like if we wanted to have monumental events, we could probably make that another leg of what we do. Hmm. How many legs does one company need? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a whole nother podcast episode. So we'll save that one for a later date. But on the yeah. events note, today we want to just give you like a couple of, let's call it just two options. If you're thinking about creating an event or doing an event, and just some punch list things that you should start to consider. This is in no way an exhausted list. Like you want to do your research and talk to other folks that have done events. But we just kind of wanted to give you the 50,000 foot view on two different options that we have experienced. And a lot of people we know are in, in our networks are putting on events. I can tell you with this punch list, you'll be able to at least have a framework or an outline of what you need to start considering. And you can fill in the blanks. You're smart. But this list will probably help you give you a couple of options. So one thing is, you know, we'll we'll kind of do a, a deeper dive on it in later episodes. So let's go ahead and start with uh, the two types of events that we're going to talk on today. One is going to be the non-ticket event. And then we have the ticketed event. So Jeremy, you want to start with the non-ticketed event? Yeah. So non-ticketed, it means just like that. It's a free event, something you're inviting people to. So we just want to give you some things to think about as you're thinking about what are the things I need to know? Who do I need to invite? So the first thing is, is why are you doing the event? And that fits for both really, but what's the goal? What's the purpose of the event? So kind of work through that. What does it look like to do a free meetup or a free event, a non-ticketed type event? What does, what are you trying to get out of it? Are you just providing value to um, an ecosystem, to your audience, to potential clients, or just a, an opportunity to get together and network? Those are kind of some of the real basic frameworks you can start from, at least from a non-ticketed event. Those are, those are really good ones. And it was kind of like the example we used in last week's episode with Jessica Denny, right? Right. And basically... She has a meetup for entrepreneurs. It's usually at a set time, a set location, and there's a set operating procedure for that. So um, since it's non-ticketed, she's not picking up everybody's meals. If they're welcome to come, they come, but it's between 7 and 9 p.m. And it's a hard stop after that time, mm -hmm. right? So, and it works out great. You know, the exchange, that type of negotiation, sometimes people might charge you for a banquet room, but on a random Tuesday, Traffic in a restaurant's not very high. There aren't a lot of people going in and out of restaurants. So nope. usually a restaurant will work with you and say, yeah, why not? You can have your group here. We're not going to charge you a room fee or anything like that. As long as they're coming in to drink and eat, no problem. Fair exchange. Right. That makes it pretty easy. And sometimes you can literally just go to a venue and say, what's your slowest night of the week? I'm going to bring 20 to 40 people here once a month to do it on that night they're going to be ecstatic because you're bringing business on a night that they won't get it anyway. Yeah. One thing I'll tell you too, is traditionally Mondays are very, very good days to hit restaurants. Remember, you also have to consider holidays and things like that. So, and events and festivals. So you never want to be in a position where you're competing. So if it's on a Monday where maybe it's a holiday weekend, it could be Easter weekend or Mother's Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend, 
Keep that in mind as you're making plans and make contingencies for that to host it on a different night or reschedule it for another another time. Right. And here's a nice part about the non-ticketed events. You're not necessarily worrying about accommodations for people coming in. You're not worrying about get trying to get sponsors or planning a menu with catering and some of those kinds of things because it's already kind of up and running. It's an opportunity for people just to get together and connect and not have to worry about some of those extra costs, which saves you money, especially since it's a free event. You're not taking in money. You're doing it as a value add to that, to those people. Yeah, it's perfect. And listen, to make your, your, your smaller event, you can make a small event really engaged and fun. Um, Jeremy, you mentioned this on the last episode, but add a little musical flair to it, right? You want to have a microphone, you want to have it, even if it's not a really big room, just have something that's a little more official and, you know, um, the room that we were in was fantastic at 317 Main. It was beautiful. They have bands in there on a regular basis. So their stage area was fantastic, but they also had a mixing board where you could, you know, pipe in music. So have a little music, a little ambiance, add add to it and fill that space. So let's switch directions. We're going to go through the hard hitting punch list for the paid ticket events. Right. So get out your pens because you're going to want to write these down. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Hit it. Why are you hosting that event? And again, like Jeremy said, what is the main objective? You have to start with that in the very beginning. Start with the end in mind. Why am I having an event? Why right. am I having an event? Why am I trying people, to go with that? Why do people want to pay to come to my event? Yeah. It could be a multitude of reasons too. If you're somebody that's very popular, you're great with people, you're entertaining, they like seeing you, people probably come and and patronize your event, not patronize, but they will patronize your event because they like who you are. They like what your mission is, but you don't want it to be vague. So before you even go down that road, know your why, know what you want to get out of the whole experience too. Right. So, and then that will fill in the blanks for the rest of these punch list items. Location, where do you want it to be? Do you want a golf course, a country club, a convention center? or a theater type of setting, depending on what your why is, will drive all of these other decisions. And then you're talking about the location. With that location, like, is it part of the accommodations? If you're in a hotel, you already have that built in. If you're at a golf course, country club, convention center, are, is there close or proximity accommodations? Or do you have to plan for transportation? These are some of the just like, you talk about a venue, but now you have these other five spokes that you have to think about just to get people to and from that location. Yeah. You know, people, I don't know if you heard this, you froze up a little bit in our conversation, but catering, right? You got a, did you talk about catering? I didn't. Okay. Catering, very important. Like you can have morning snacks, afternoon snacks. Are you going to have breakfast? You're going to have lunch. Are you going to provide dinner service? Are you going to have a cocktail hour? All of those things play into it. Is it going to be a cash bar? Are you factoring in the fact that you might need to offset the investment for that in your ticketing price? Um, and again, we'll do a deeper dive on a different episode. We just kind of wanted to give you a punch list. So catering is very, very, very important. Up next, we've got speakers, right? right. Talk on that for a little bit, Jeremy, because you've been to a lot of events lately. I've been to a couple of events lately. <laughs> the, speaker, <laughs> the speakers are the... That's the other part of what's going to drive people to the event. 
because the attraction of who is going to be there, which is going to be again, surrounded by your why and what kind of type of event you're providing for the people who are coming. And, you know, speakers are, again, we, I don't want to get too deep. This is, this could be a really long episode, Danny. Uh, but on the speaker side of things, like, are you paying them to come in? Are they coming in to do it free of charge or are they selling from stage or are they not selling from stage? And what does that mean? What is the difference and how do you communicate that? And then what kind of expenses might you have involved with the speakers? Now we've talked about two very expense driven things, catering and speakers. So the next thing, sponsors, do you want to have sponsors for your event? Right. What if you had some sponsors that could at least take care of your basic costs and needs of the venue and the catering and maybe some of your admin expenses or travel expenses for speakers? And then the ticketing actually helps to kind of balance out the rest of that, what that might look like. Yeah. And that's the thing. And one thing you should have in your mind, like you shouldn't specifically just throw events to make money. Usually the money comes after you've thrown the event. So if you have that in your mind, always be prepared to throw an event for exposure, experience, or for engagement, right? So you're building an audience in person. That'll be your core and your base audience. Never go into the space thinking, oh, I'm going to go and host an event and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then I'm just going to go sit on the beach for three months. That's not how it works. Usually your sales from events come 30 to 45 to 90 days later. Right. So if you do them right, if you execute them well, something else to consider entertainment, right? It doesn't have to be campy. If you're going to a different city, you don't know, try to find out who the local talent is. Mm -hmm. Depending on your budget, again, you can get this sponsored. Um, I know I do a lot of events in Dallas. I can't wait till I show up that day and the Dallas String Quartet is actually on the agenda to perform because I love them. And I think it'd be great. Local talent, Dallas String Quartet, worldwide famous, right? Right. Um, that's impressive. That would be really, really cool to have. I'm trying to think as far as uh, covered AV, right? We didn't get there. Oh, we didn't get there yet. So, yeah, yeah I just kind of went off course on that, the the side note with that. So, um, you mentioned golf courses and stuff like that, but right. country clubs are a good second option if you're not ready for the hotel convention center type of atmosphere and you're just doing day sessions for local community. Uh, usually, Golf country, a country club golf uh, membership is going to run you like 300 bucks a month. And they usually have rooms that you can use for members only, right? right? So nice way to save money and catering is on site too. So you'll save a few dollars that way. But let's talk about AV. Yeah. Auto video is the like, the core of the thing that most people forget about, but it also, it enhances the experience of your audience in such a great way. We talked a little bit about in the non-ticketing space, even if it's a small venue, with a small amount of people, just having a microphone shows another level of professionalism. You take it to a bigger stage and you have 7,500, 200 people at an event. You can't shout over those people. You need some sort of equipment. They call it sound reinforcement for a reason. They're just reinforcing what you're doing. And then that gives you an opportunity to create some visual options for the eyes. So those that might not always just listen, they need the visual piece of it. It kind of helps keep the the ADD people kind of in a good space so that they can enjoy the experience as well. Right. They need all of this kind of interaction, not just from somebody speaking from stage necessarily. It kind of just rounds out the whole package. And 
be careful. Make sure you're checking for quality on AV and make sure you're checking on price because sometimes it can get to be a big expense. So that might be a, where a sponsor could come in or you have an AV company that's part of the sponsorship and they're just bringing in their gear and facilitating your day. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have to negotiate. Usually they have a hard and fast rule. Even if you wanted to bring in your own equipment, they'll charge you a 30% fee yep. of the value of the equipment. So yep. that always ranges. And that's based on market value. You can sit there and go, well, I got these for 50 bucks at a garage sale, but no, they're going to go based on market value. So expect to pay some money, just weigh the, the options and the cost and don't cut out your AV. Don't sacrifice and, and cut corners. If you have to do anything, move it to a different location, right? If it doesn't fit in your budget or you don't have that reach and that command of sponsorships that would come in, could be because here's the thing, it's very important to remember. When you go to get sponsorships, there's going to be an expectation of a return on investment. They call it ROI in business, which means when you're asking for someone to sponsor your event, ethically, you have a responsibility and it's unspoken, but it's understood, even though it's not enforced, to help that client, that sponsor, find at least one or two clients that makes it worth it for them to sponsor your event. Obviously, the more the better, but nine times out of 10, it only takes one client from one sponsorship to justify the investment of that sponsorship. For and here's event. a reverse engineer thing for you, businesses sponsoring events. Think about that when you're talking about how much do you want to invest into a sponsorship of an event? What is your ROI and what do you need from that event? It's a really great determinator of whether you should sponsor an event or not. And we've sponsored multiple events this year already. And every time it's the ROI has definitely been there. So grateful yeah. for those events. Yeah, those are fantastic. And listen, you can't get anything for free. Okay, you got to make the investment of time. You've got to put in the work. And while you're there, you've got to make the connections. You need to engage with people. Um, events can be very, very, very powerful. And they can be very great transformative pieces in any business and any organization. But they can also be a launching point, too, into a whole new life and a whole new world for you. So I promise our next episode in the near future, we're going to go a lot deeper on the event stuff. And we'll probably interview some people that are really, really good at throwing events and kind of break things down by the numbers too. So you can see what it looks like. Right. So please thank you again for your time. Like, subscribe, share, leave us a review on here. It helps us show up higher in the podcasting rankings because we want more people to hear about our message. If you're listening on audio, make sure you check us out on YouTube, our channel, Media Monsters 1111. So you can watch all of the great things that are also happening while we're talking through these amazing conversations. Flipping of the hair, the picking of the noses, the smacking of their own faces. It's a, it's just all of it. Drinking coffee, uh, drinking coffee, slurping, putting on chapstick. Yeah. There's <laughs> no, never a dull moment, especially. For adult men. <laughs> so have a great week. Continue to be a media monster. Wow. See you next time.